Wow, I just feel like the energy here today is kind of like that of the uh, All-Star Skills Competition last night. It's just flat and dead. We're all just kind of dead today. What the fuck's wrong with us? This is what the Bruins have done to us! You're listening to Barely on Topic with VA. When I think of a slap shot, I think of defenseman. It's like the only shot. I, this is what I got. Let's do it. Nick. Here comes the bagel boy himself. Anthony. Joe Sackman Sacco. Jeff. Then I moved to Canada. And Tim. Probably not. All right, I feel like we should just get into the show because now I'm feeling combative. Hello! It's Barely on Topic, episode 15. Hi, listeners. What up, folks? I'm back. Hello. Jeff is back. Everything is under control again. Unfortunately, Nick is out. But I did learn something very valuable from last week, guys. You need me. You really, really need me. Yep. <laughs> yep, we do. I'm, I'm, shit, I'm still that, dead. <laughs> what was that? Is that, is that? Was it that chaotic? <laughs> I blow shit up when they're gone. Raw is gone. Yeah, St. Louis is just gone completely. Just okay, gone. Nick and I are the parents of this podcast. We've talked about this for many months before we actually did it. Uh, did get you all together and we started this podcast. But we have very different parenting styles. Nick sometimes can be very serious when he needs to be, but otherwise he's just like, I'm just going to role play, which is fun. I, I'm, not, I'm not against this. I'm going to role play, and St. Louis is going to get destroyed. Like the whole city. It's gone. Yep. Right? And, like, things get off the rails with me a little bit, but sometimes I can reel you back in. So, to start off, though, I really want to do this one thing, Okay. We have to do a pronunciation guide, okay? Because this is the thing that bothered me about last week's episode, and we need to all do this. Ready? Claude. Claude. Come on, guys. Don't say Claude. Claude. That's mostly going to, to Tim and Nick, isn't it? Uh, no, yeah, but I too. want us all to do it. Ready? Claude. One, two, three. Claude. Claude. Tim! I feel weird saying it like that, okay? I do too, and I think that's because of jerks on Twitter when they want to rip on them, they spell it C-L-O-D-E, and if I say it, Claude, I see it's spelt wrong in my head, and then I'm like, it's not right, so it's Cloud. No, okay, so this is how we're going to fix it, right? Maybe what what we need to do is we need to just make it like one word, Claude Julien. I'm just going to call him CJ. That's it. <laughs> I would rather you called him CJ than Claude. It just, they do it on Nessun too, and it just drives me nuts because it's like, oh no, come on guys. This is how he says his name. It's Claude Julien. Come on, you can do it. Just come on, Jeff, demonstrate. Claude Julien. Come on, you can do it. Claude Julien. There you go, that's the ticket. <laughs> Come on, Tim. Claude Julien. Very good. Okay, good. All right. You don't have to call him Claude if it reminds you of the stupid stuff that you see in hockey Twitter. 
you know, where they spell it wrong. Look, I remember I spelled it wrong once, too, and somebody ripped me a new one, and I said, I'm sorry, I didn't, I just like to put fun at things. I won't do it again. And I didn't do it again. But I'm, I, I'm able I to separate things. Yeah, I was the one that took you to task at the time. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I couldn't remember if it was you or somebody else. But the thing is, is that I don't associate it that way. As a person whose name is mispronounced quite a bit, you think, how can that happen? Oh, it happens. It happens. But your name is a state. But up here, it's pronounced with a v. It's not ver. It's v. People don't say Virginia. They say Virginia. Oh, my God. It gets so close to vagina that I want to punch people. I'm Tim. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad you guys are so supportive of this issue that I've had for a long time. Oh, my oh, last no. name gets butchered. I, mean, I understand. When people try to, you know, when, when people, you know, okay, regular people, you know, they hear my name, they'll spell it with a J. Fine, I can deal with that. I understand. I don't, I don't like it, but I understand. But when someone sees it written and then has no idea how to pronounce it, Geoff. No, it's not Geoff, because do you spell it, do you say George? No, you don't. <laughs> I want to a little bit I'm, now, though. I'm going to now. I know someone named George, and I'm going to call him George from now on. I, I wanted to ask you, how do you feel about Jeff Goldblum spelling his name with a J? I'm a little disappointed, but that's not his fault. One of my friends in high school, actually, his dad is Jeffrey with a G, but when he wrote Jeff, he spelled it with a J, and this drove me insane. He's like, no, you motherfucker, own it! <laughs> But yes, Anthony, I understand. I have problems with your 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 last name too. It's Amabile, right? Mm-hmm. What really frustrates me with my last name is my dad pronounces it with an R in it, because apparently somewhere along the line there was an R in it. But the like fresh off the boat Italian lady at my favorite restaurants, like there was never an R in it, because she knows people of of the Amabile clan. Where was the R E? Amabile. Oh, that's awful. Yeah. That's, that's, that's not good at all. I'm like, Dad, no. No. See, I look at your last name, and for some reason, I think it means friend. I don't it think that's lovable. what it means. Oh, that's Amable. Nice. Ah, yeah. <laughs> hey, yeah. You, I'm a belay. You just changed a couple letters around, and it's amiable. Right? I'm Maybe a belay. It's, it's a cognate. Uh, <laughs> it looks like a very similar English word. Jeff's gonna get or all if you're smart the on the office yeah. lady when I was in high school. It's a maple leaf. She was an idiot. <laughs> and my nickname will forever now be the maple leaf because of it. She was like, well, "Can Anthony, uh, uh, a maple leaf come down to the office?" It's like, "Oh, you fucking idiot." Well, it's like I see Andrea's Anathasiu, and I keep thinking. Happy to see you. <laughs> the way it's said by Doc Emmerich and others, it oh, sounds Doc like Emmerich is bad at everything. Like I don't know why they put someone that's that bad at pronunciating pronunciating names up as the friggin' national and national play by play. And that's one thing actually we should really cherish how great Jack is because he puts great effort into pronouncing everyone's name right. Yeah, he's constantly searching out players to make sure he gets it right. Well, that's why he, I know, abruptly, I remember a few years ago when he suddenly started saying Brad Marchand instead of Marchand. Because he'd actually, you know, talks to him and he's like, yeah, Brad's like, no, um, I'm from Nova Scotia, we don't pronounce it right. It's, it's Marchand. <laughs> but even Brad will say that his name is Brad Marchand from time to time. It drives me crazy. It, it, to me, 
I will say Marshan, but there's a part of my brain that wants to strangle my vocal cords when I say that. But I'll say it because he insists that's the way he says it. That's why I call them Emperson. Yeah, but I like to just call him Brad now. Just Brad. Yeah. Or Marshy. You know what I mean? Brad or Marshy. Whatever. You know, I love you, Brad. You know, that's how it is. But anyway, I'm glad that you participated in the pronunciation of Claude Julien because it it hurts my brain when we say it wrong. I want to be respectful. I want to be respectful of him. That's I have an easy name. It works. The only name troubles I've had is people actually thinking calling me by my dad's name and not my actual name. I'm just mixing us up. Do they call him Timothy? No, they'll call him Kevin, but they'll call me Kevin too. You know, the mood mood is not really there right now, so everything's kind of shitty. Bruins are kind of trying to get out of the shittiness. We could talk about a game of the week, but Jeff didn't watch any of the games because he was busy. Very validly busy. And really, I think we can sum up things by saying the first Pittsburgh game, it was the first in the Battle of Pittsburgh that happened on last Sunday. It was shitty. The Detroit Red Wings game, they they scraped by. They got a win. It was good, but it was not quite as fulfilling as it should be. And then the Thursday night game, it was a good win, but Brandon Carlo is hurt, no. and I don't know if he's coming back. He's going to want to forget that game. Yeah, that game was bad for him. Which game was the first one with the Millers back in? The first Pittsburgh. <sighs> yeah, the first Pittsburgh. Oh, okay, so. I think so. Early, they were rough. Did both of them play right off the bat? I thought that was yeah. like one of them in Lyles, or I thought for a game. Okay, no? Nope, nope. It was Miller and Miller. Killer and Chiller. They were in together. That game was just terrible. I mean, when the minute the Tuca had to leave because of the migraine issue, and trust me, I had one of those fucking migraines this week. Not the exact same one. We don't share migraines. But I had one this week, and it's awful. Yeah, uh, once he left the game, it just got worse. So much worse. I, this team just doesn't know how to play in, in front of Zane, and I don't know exactly why. I don't yeah, know this team knows how to play in front of backups. They haven't since, you know, freaking Chad Johnson, who... <laughs> Who's on was fire in Calgary. Or he was at one point. Was it you, Jeff, that was talking earlier on in this season about how Florida plays a system in front of Luongo, then when Reimer comes in, it doesn't fit his style of goaltending? I think that's changing, though. Of late, I think Reimer's been the hotter one of the two, if I remember seeing. Well, my point being, is is that what's happening here? Because collectively, our backups have played 16 games, and they've won one. Well, see, here's the thing about that. um, The logic would have been bringing in Hudobin should have... um, Fixed that problem, right? Because, you know, Doby's one season actually in Boston, Boston was, was quite good, right? You know, there were, um, there were clowns that season, I remember at one point, talking about, oh, he should be the starter instead of Rash. That was, of course, Rash's first uh, season as our, as our starter. Um, you know, when he was a Vezina finalist the year before he was a Vezina winner. Yeah, people are stupid. People are really stupid. But okay, wait, a wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I thought that the first year that, that Tuca was the full-on starter, and he was, was it the lockout or was, was it the full lockout? And he was the um, uh, and, and he was uh, he was an, and he was a finalist, but not the winner. Went to went to Lundqvist that year. No, no, I think it was Bobrovsky was the for the lockout year. I know this because they okay. didn't do an awards show. They just did a, a quick little thing on like uh, the oh. NHL Network, and they said, "Oh, so let's talk to Bobrovsky." And he just didn't have enough English to do that, so they had an interpreter basically. Oh, okay. May I have the he, 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 Rash was a finalist that year, though. In the next year, in and 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 thirteen fourteen is the year he won. Yes. 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 For, Tuka Rask fourteen, Bravosky thirteen. Right. Oh. Right. Right. Lundqvist oh. twelve. Ah, oh, okay. I had I had Lundqvist off a year. Okay. 
it's just one of those things where it's I'd like, forgotten I Bob, I'd forgotten Bob was a Vezina winner. I, was, I don't know very many things, but I knew that. So, yay <laughs> <me>. so, <laughs> that year that he backed up Rask, I think that was Ference's final year and stuff. Um, yeah. He got bailed down a lot by the defense. Yes, he did. That was, um, yeah, I mean, the, the defense that year was, um, I think for most of the season was Chara, Boychuk, sides, sides Ference, McQuaid, Dougie, um, during the regular season that year. Yeah. So it was before Sides' knee injury, so Sides was still pretty effective at the time. Yep. Um, Ferentz was actually, honestly, was Ferentz's probably last really effective season too, just because he got condemned to get got condemned to um to, to, to Oilers after that and had no one to work with. Yep, their defense was terrible, and we still had Boychuk then, so we had a good defense that year. I'm just saying that that was my entry point yes. into the Bruins, and I he had the one game with the Bruins. I think before that, it was the end of the season before. No right. One. So. So it's like, for me, I was like trying to just try to make sense of, of things. And um, that was the thing that I, I noted uh, about the uh, team. I thought that Tuca played very well that year. That was his prove-it year. It was. Um, yep. And I don't, you know, when people are like saying that Hudobin should have been a uh, starter over him, that's complete bullshit because Tuca was fine that year. There were just, you know, there are things that we see about Tuca that... Uh, you know, he has certain tendencies and stuff, but, you know, I think that they can probably be explained away by just how much action he's, be- well, he's seeing. Here's um, the thing about the time, actually, what that was, was um, Hudobin at least used to play a style even kind of like Tim Thomas. Mm. This was just after Tim Thomas jumped ship, and, you know, only two years from when he'd won, from when he'd won, he'd be on the Vezina and Consmythe. Um, and people didn't like watching Tuga, who's, you know, not, not necessarily the most ex- exciting goalie to watch. Because he's positional, right? Whereas Tim Thomas was all about acrobatics and uh, never in position. That's yeah, why save, save it at all costs. Piece. It's catastrophic. <laughs> yeah, it's a really risky goaltending style. So people were watching. So it, it lends itself to more dramatic saves. So that one, the eye test would provide a certain bias to Hudobin, even though the results favored Rask by a very large margin. Right, because they were missing uh, Thomas. Yeah. Uh, did they trade Thomas's rights away, or was, was he just out of hockey for Yeah, they traded for a conditional pick that would have become like sixth if he played any games for the Isles or was traded and played and played somewhere else. Yeah, and, and I think the Isles needed his money on the books because they needed to get up to the cap floor. Yeah, that was the last year that anyone needed. Uh, it, yeah, yeah, they needed to get up to the cap there. So hmm. I didn't know any of that stuff back then. I just knew, hey, this Tukin Rask guy, he's our goaltender, and he had an insane playoff run that year too. Yep. He was really good in the playoffs. Had we had we won those finals, it would have been hard to pick between Rask and uh, and, Ber- and Bergeron for um uh, for Conn Smythe. Yeah, given that Bergeron, they, they won Game Six, and Berger and Berkey had somehow showed up to Game Seven, even though we know we probably wouldn't have been able to play a Game Seven. In a way, I'm kind of glad that we didn't get to a Game Seven because I, I know that Berkey would have tried to come back, and I think that would have been a really bad thing for him. Yeah, yeah. He, either, he either wouldn't have been able to come back, and we would have lost. He would have come back and gotten really fucked up. Yeah, wasn't he in the hospital for a week? <laughs> yeah, he was yeah. in the hospital for a week, or, you know, five days or something like that. Might as well round it up to a week, whatever. But if he had tried, if even if he hadn't tried to come back, if they had lost, that's one thing. But you know that he was doing everything he could to stay in in those games, and I think they would have tried to do something really stupid and risky, and it's not worth it. It really well, wasn't worth it. Just traveling put it probably wouldn't I can't imagine you're supposed to get on a plane with a punctured lung. No, God. No. Depressure is, the air pressure would be, make pneumothorax extra, extra catastrophic, I would think. 
I don't want people to jump all over me and say that I'm not a good Bruins fan or something, but you know that I'm always going to go for the, the person first. And it's just, it's one of those things where it's like, it, it seems like it's, it's like it's a great thing to do, but he has his own personal health, first of all. Secondly, he was getting married that summer, which it already sounds like he was kind of not able to participate in the wedding as much as he would like to have. Well, maybe he just got out of dancing, and maybe he didn't want to do that anyway, and that's fine. Wow, we've gone down a rabbit hole of Tukarask, and... Oh, yeah, we were talking about Zane. I'm sorry. Let's go I back to Zane. Zane for a little bit. He's the talk- best. All right, well, then that's all we need to say. Well, yeah, so Zane is destroying worlds in the AHL. He goes back down for one game, kicks ass again. I was going to the the, the AHL All-Star game. That's why he's down and why Doby's going to be up for... Uh, and probably start on Tuesday, apparently. Seems to be, seems to be the word going around Bruins-verse. I haven't paid any attention. What, who are they playing on Tuesday? Tampa. Oh, yeah. Basically, was- because Rask will be traveling Monday. Oh, yeah. And it's back-to-back, and, de- and Wednesday's against the Caps. Yeah, you want Tuka against the Caps. I mean, I, I kind of feel like we should just write off the Caps games because Holtby, but still. Holtby, oh, my God, that guy. <laughs> we can't, they can never just... This team can't, can't crack Holtby at all. Well, oh. one, they have scored goals against Holtby. Because the, the Capitals almost lost that game in December. This uh, is they, true. they did win it in overtime, and it caused them to have a players-only meeting after they barely won that game. But yeah, as, mainly because Holtby gave up goals, and they were like, "How did you do this against the Bruins?" Actually, no, I examined the whole thing because I wrote an article about it this week, and uh, not about that specifically about players-only meetings. Um, but I, I, I went to look at what had happened to the Capitals and earlier, you know, with uh, you know, within like seven days they had uh, lost to the Isles they had lost in a shootout to the Bolts or somebody else that they they barely scraped by against Buffalo, you know, and then they barely scraped by against uh, uh, against the Bruins and that triggered a players only meeting and then they went on this great run, it was like they were 16-3-2 ever since then and it was just like, so this week I posed on the website, I posed the question of why aren't we hearing about a player only meeting. I don't really know how effective they are, and I really don't know how effective they would be with this group, but it's like, I want to know that the group is doing something. To me, it's a a last resort thing, but it's like, it's something. Yes. During or after the Pens game on Thursday, yep. saw Kirk Ludicky on Twitter, you know, sort of, you know, he's, in a way he gets kind of snarky about certain things sometimes, mocking people criticizing uh, David Backus, suggesting that it was probably Backus in the room during the second, during the second, first intermission. The team had a pretty bad first period, right? That game. And then and all hell broke loose in the second and they scored lots of goals. It suggested that the combination of uh, Backus um, uh, probably letting a lot of the rest of the team have it because he's a much more, that's part of why he's there. He's more vocal, right? The rest of our leadership group are quiet, lead by example guys. Don't, you know, Char and Berkey aren't going to yell at their, aren't going to bark at their teammates, even behind closed doors. And then he comes out and heckles Phil Kessel enough that they act, Phil Kessel, like, tried to fight him, which is insane, right? So basically suggesting that Backus, whether it was players or only meeting or not, did exactly what you're hoping that they're doing. It's, well, I did hear something about players only meetings actually recently. I was it was either today or yesterday. I was listening to Sports Talk Radio and one of the guys that that was on, I forgot his name, but he had he used to play in the NFL. Um so he said in terms of players only meetings, he said that when teams hold those, he goes he, those are way, he said that those were way more effective than having the coach say something. Right. Because you know, it's the players doing it. You know, it, I took a couple of days to write an article and I I did a little research and I and I really couldn't find 
find anything that told me too much about players-only meetings in the NHL and how effective they were. But I could take a look at when it was documented that a pl- uh, players-only meeting had happened through the media, like the, doc- the media would note that it happened, and then I could kind of extrapolate some data from that. And that's what I did for two meetings that happened this year. The Winnipeg Jets had a two-game losing streak, and they had a, a, a players-only meeting after two games because they said, you know, we felt that it was beginning to get away from us and it was spiraling away. That's what Blake Wheeler said. And it was just like two games, two games. We had to wait for like two or three weeks of this like shitty play for the Bruins to kind of start turning it around. And I'm not even convinced yet because it's been two games, you know, and I don't, I haven't heard anything. I mean, I, I really think that the Boston media, if they had a whiff of this, we'd know about it. Well, that's a, it's possibility that the team's been very quiet about it for exact reason for that exact reason i would rather know i don't want to know what they said i would rather know that they're just like hey you know what we had a meeting we had a meeting instead of hearing oh we're they're doing film work today or whatever it's like no i just want to know that somebody gives a shit enough that you guys are fucking yelling each other in the room that's Here's what the i want to know when they're, when they're playing shitty they don't look listless like last year during the crack during during the train wreck and the year before during the collapse they looked in effect they, they looked you know lifeless on the ice even now, even with losing, I mean, for starters, they're putting so damn much rubber on net. They are still trying. They are still battling. It's just going horribly wrong. This is very different from pre from the swoons for the last two seasons, is what I'm saying. Yeah, but there are still periods where they're not taking that many shots on net. Oh, I, 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 will, I will concede that. I'm talking overall. Whereas compared to, say, well, last March, where every fucking game once the swoon started... They looked like shit, and after that, after they were halfway through, you know, when they were still in the thick of it, when they were still, you know, well out ahead of their rival of the of, of the teams chasing them for playoff positions, they were already looking like they'd given up. Mm. Even more so the year before. Uh, the year before, I'd also attribute to the fact that there was injuries towards the end too, like like losing Dougie, who'd been our only really effective defense from that entire season, was a problem, right? But um, think what you will about Dougie, I understand. My point that's a stand to be true that that that, that the third. The, 14-15 season, he was the only defenseman that was that was that worked that that did well that season. It's bad. You are not happy with that beer at all, are you? <laughs> <laughs> like I can't tell if you're making faces about the beer or for what I'm saying. <laughs> it's both. <laughs> One, it's like Pavlovian now that I when I hear Dougie, I just I'm just referring to losing him to injury for the last three weeks of that season. That's all. Nothing else whatsoever. Yeah, so it's like so it's like an automatic response now for me. And uh, secondly, I did have a couple of sips of that beer, and I was hoping that second one would like really wow me, like maybe go. I mean, I taste all sorts of things, but it's just like it's it's going to be a, a tough go. And the point being was that during other spoons, it looked different than this time. Right? Does it look like they've given up? Whereas at no point here have I gotten the vibe that they've given up. At least not writ large. There'll be the odd period, but overall, I don't know. I, I have a different feeling on this. I've watched a lot of games, and I have wanted to give up so many times. Anyway, guys. if uh, you know we're not hearing about a t- players-only meeting, just because the team's not pulling out wins, maybe they've had one because there was a, st- a stretch just before the fire clode. Fire clode. <laughs> yeah, I can't do it. Um, situation really, really put its foot down. Where it, they just they didn't look like they wanted to play hockey anymore, and. You know, if maybe if the team turns it around, they go, "Oh, we held this players' meeting, blah blah blah." Now we're we you know, got back on the right track. But if you have a players-only meeting, sure, you 
you put a better effort together on the ice, but you don't pull wins out. You know, if you come out and go, oh, we have this players meeting, the media's not going to care. They're going to go, well, you're not fucking winning. I don't care. You know, here's the thing is, what it is, this team is just fucking exhausted. Yeah. They have had, okay, today is their, their, is, is their only, they're currently in their only second time off the month of January of more, uh, uh, of more than a day. They, they had they, this is so yeah so they last played on the twenty sixth today's the 29th. so they haven't played the last three days except for Marshy and Tuca. A last time they had more than a day off was the third and fourth of January, um, which is why and I genuinely think this, they are exhausted. We have a couple days off here and we have a back to back this week. Play on Saturday and then they have four days off. Play three and four days, but then have six days off. Next couple weeks, unfortunately, what that also means, this is when all the ga- those games in hand that Ottawa and the Leafs are have are going to close the gap. So that so our stings are going to come out of the next next couple weeks looking bad. But this team needs rest, and they're getting quite a bit of it coming up. And that's I think the big, the root one of the big roots of the problem is that these guys have just had such a stupid schedule this past month. Yeah, and it's possible too that Toronto and Ottawa can't get through their own schedule, and they don't get points. Here's the in thing this about Ottawa games. is they're not very good. <laughs> yeah, like are they um, just are they riding on the fact that let's do it for Craig Anderson? Okay, Which if they are, that's great. The combination of that, uh, Mike Condon playing above his own head, and um, the fact that there's you know four teams in this freaking division that are absolute shit: Florida, all of Florida, Buffalo, and Detroit. So Ottawa's in thick of it because they played a lot. I think Ottawa's had a generally easier schedule, easier schedule not just schedule wise, but in terms of who they've been playing a lot too. They've been playing a lot of their divisional games. Well, I, I think now you've got the test. You've got the real well, test of what this team is because we've got our, our injured players back. But I'm saying we're going into a lot of time with time off. We have three games this week, four days off. Three games, six days off. Then they go on the dreaded West Coast West Coast road trip. <laughs> the point the, the point is, is they have starting tomorrow between now and the end of February one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, um, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty days off between now and the end of February. You know what that means? It means I've got... No, I don't really have 20 days off. But it seems like I have 20 days off. Which compared, <laughs> which compared to how they've played this month, how, how much they've played this month, this team's exhausted. And I yeah. think it's hard to judge them right now because of it. Um, if they come out of some of these breaks, like, say, I think the big one's going to be... Maybe not... Maybe not. This week will be a good starting point, but then coming out of that, they have three home games, uh, San Jose, Vancouver, Montreal. Then a big number block off, and then the West Coast road trip. Those are some good chances to see them, right? And, you know, West Coast road trips traditionally been a bad scene for this team. It tends to be a bad scene for most, for, for most West Eastern teams, right? The California road trip plus Dallas. Here's the thing about California and Dallas is uh, none of those teams are that strong right now. LA's our mirror image. Um, uh, a strong possession with not great results. Anaheim's not as strong as they've been in the past. San Jose, okay, San Jose is still San Jose, and Dallas has been a problem. So yeah. while we're not going to have a lot of while we're not like in a position to make up a lot of points in February, especially because because the Leafs and Ottawa are going to be closing their gap with their five games in hand. Yeah, I, I don't really like that Vancouver and Montreal back to back. I mean, yes, I guess they play the matinee, the manatee game against Vancouver in the 11th, but then they play Montreal the next night, and I'm just not a big fan of that. It's just a problem. That's a home. That there are two home games back to back, which is better than normal. True. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, if you're going to go back-to-back, that's the best-case scenario. I mean, rather it than is. the other way around. It, it is, yes. but come on now. 
divisional I'm not, games I'm not comfortable not playing on the back end of a back-to-back. That, that, feels, that feels awfully familiar. But <laughs> Yeah, it seems like we've played a lot of games against Montreal and back-to-backs this year. Like, last year we avoided it. The year, no, before, last year, all every sing- the year before, every single one was the second day of a back-to-back. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it was, and it sucked. <laughs> so I'm, I'm not a big fan of that. I, I think I need to say that. Um, That's that's perfectly reasonable. You know, here's the thing is that, that and then, okay, the, the Los Angeles back-to-back, Anaheim and, and, and L.A. back on um, consecutive days is awful pretty shit. Yep, yep. Um, I mean, granted, it's the same area. I get, I understand. It is two road games, but they're only like 10, 15 miles apart. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It reminds me, we should have a a segment each week called Hot Scheduling Talk, so Jeff can go off, rattle off about the schedule a little bit. Practice your sexy voice. Come on. That schedule. My sexy voice is saying. (laughs) Low and slow. Well, this this month, Bruins uh, have a much... uh, Lighter schedule than they've had through the month of January. They're back to back, but only about nine games overall. <laughs> I love it. We need to make that a thing. Because <laughs> you know he likes to tell us every week what the schedule is, and I'm glad he does because most of the time I'm like, oh, is that what's happening? Because I'm too dumb to look. I only fill out the dummy schedule for game threads, I don't know what's actually happening. I'm all about making the show more fun and listenable. If you have an idea, really, let's just do it. Yeah, so anyway. Anyway, the time we have off coming up will be important for this team for the stretch run. It will. It and will. some of that's legit rest time, too, right? The I think after the Montreal game is when they have their no-practice break, too. Oh, that's yeah, the, probably. Cause that's, the, that, that's their six days off, so... That's their bye. Yeah. Uh, now... Does anybody know why this bye week is happening? Because I don't. It was negotiated in the last CBA, and it hasn't been enacted until this this season. Probably because of the World Cup of Coffee. Yeah. Um. So the combination of having the World Cup of Coffee and and these coming in is why the schedule has been so hopelessly fucked. Yes. Yes. I'm. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. I'm not a big fan of this because I am fucking exhausted. Now, here's the thing about the schedule that I don't like about having this much time off in February is that that latest schedule in the immediate run-up to the trade deadline makes it hard to judge what this team is at that point. You know, what's really funny is that that's what I kind of wanted to talk about today. You know, what our problems were. Wow, that was a terrible segue. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about that a little bit more and what's wrong with this team. But before I do that, I want to say something to you guys. You did not comment of what I was wearing, what I am wearing. It's a Bruins sweater. Is it? Oh, make twenty-five great again. <laughs> oh nice. yes, it's the Carlo. Actually, you know what's really funny is before this, uh, before I came upstairs to record, while I rebooted my computer to make sure that everything was working because everything was kind of glitchy. Downstairs, put on the the uh, sweater. Do you know what Glenn did? He put on his Chara sweater, and he instructed me to not do an own goal, but to, next time to get the puck out of the goal area. That was that's pretty sassy. <laughs> and he said it as if he were just in Chara, instructing me, Brandon Carlo, to not make an own goal. <laughs> I mean, that's solid advice. Don't score on your own goal. Just don't do it. No, no, but he said it in an accent. It was so funny. <laughs> yes, we will make 25 grade again. I don't know when that's going to happen, but we're doing it. And you know, uh, 
And we have when the- was twenty five great in the first place? Shut up! It's happening. Kyle <laughs> McLaren. This has been twenty five. <laughs> like when was twenty five actually great? I now have the list in front of me of ruins that have worn twenty five. Um, I'll say in the past it's been of dubious greatness. Um, the most, the two most recent number twenty fives were, um, uh, were, were, were were Hobo Joe, Max Talbot, and his well, and his luxurious beard. Oh, that's right, Max Talbot. And before him was Froyo. So Matt, so Matt Fraser. Oh, he scored that goal on my birthday. It was an <laughs> overtime goal in in Hebsland. And then looking at the rest of the lists, names that I recognize. Oh, Hal Gilmore for a long time. So shit. Okay. Um, it might not be making it great again. So it's just simply making it great. Andy Brickley. Oh, Brick. Yes, Brick's here. No. Oh. We're yeah. making twenty five great again. I don't care if it wasn't great in the first place. We are making it great. What did right? Kyle McLaren wear? Because I thought he was twenty five. I thought that mm. was a racing team. No, that's just McLaren. Kyle McLaren. I can't yeah. wait. I, for I, McLaren. I actually didn't know that Kevin Stevens was other a Bruin. Okay, Kevin Stevens was a great player, and he was apparently briefly Bruin in ninety six and more twenty five. So okay. Uh Jeff, you're gonna get lashes for not knowing that. Just kidding. Don't care. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's only got like a decade on me actually watching the sport. So, you know, the fact that I know anything from then is kind of, kind of impressive, really, at all. <laughs> I know. I take these small victories. Like, I know something. We are going to talk about the deficiencies on the Bruins now. Okay. So why don't we go panelist by panelist, person by person. We'll have Jeff go. We'll have Tim go. We'll have Anthony go. How about that? Pick, a, pick your poison on this team. Who do you think is underperforming or is a problem? Jeff's not going to want to say who. He's going to want to say what. I, 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 yeah, I have a more structural concerns rather than individual players besides the obvious ones. I mean, like, I feel like any of us complain about Jimmy Hayes. That's just being unfair at this point. Yeah, Jimmy <laughs> Hayes is off the table. Because <laughs> it's, it's small fish. Yeah, I mean, he's kind of insignificant to the greater problems. Yes, and that's what I think it is. I don't think it's any particular player overall that's sinking us at this point. You don't think there are any players that are underperforming? Okay, we're going to really handcuff me to that to that very narrow question. I think two players... Okay, obviously Bergie is not performing, scoring like Bergie, but everything else he's being Bergie. So mm-hmm. it's technically underperforming, but I don't like pointing the finger there because I don't think that's why we're struggling. I think we're going to give Bergie a pass on this only because he's doing the other things. I think he's... I honestly, I think that he's recovering from something that he's still recovering from some kind of injury, right? Because he hasn't looked like himself, and I don't think it's because he's trying to make everybody else look better. He's been doing some of the things really well, but I mean, he's great on face-offs and stuff, but you know, he hasn't been scoring, and I'm, but I don't look at him as like primarily as a scorer. I look at him as doing the other little things that we don't concentrate on, if that makes any sense. That makes sense, right? Agreed. That's why that's what I was trying to say. It's like I was acknowledging, yes, Bergie, we need more points from Bergie, but he's still doing Bergie things. Right. So I, I'm going to, I'm not going to count Bergie as somebody who's underperforming for the sake of underperforming. I think that something was going on. I think he's coming back to normal. So, yes, go on. Okay. So, um, two players that come to mind specifically that are delivering below what we think, I think they should be are Krejci, who's currently on pace for a 49-point season. Oh, that's not great. Oh, Uh, no, it's not great. (laughs) And the other one, and this one's an interesting choice because he is a rookie, but Austin Zarnick's 13 points is uh, not what I thought we'd be seeing from him. 
I agree on that because I had seen him in Providence quite a bit, and I expected more. Yeah. Now, I don't know whether to criticize it. He's a tiny, tiny little fucker, right? He makes Spooner and Krug look tall. But, but I thought we'd see more. I blame that they called him up for a game last year, didn't play him, but made him cut his, his hair. He's kind of like <laughs> Samson. He had some really beautiful blonde flow, and they cut it off. And then they sent him right back down to Providence. I think it's a Samson and Delilah thing, and that's what happened. No, it's it's not really that. But I did really expect more, because to see him, and, and, and this just shows you the difference between the AHL and the NHL, is that to see him down in, in, the, uh, in the AHL, he was just scoring, and he just skates faster, and he just, he looks a lot different than he does up here. There are a lot of games where I, I can't really see him unless I'm focusing on him. Yeah, it's funny because he's a he's a he's a fast guy and a good puck handler, but he's not. Um, maybe I don't know. I don't know if it's it's line mates are getting fumbled, getting bounced around in terms of position and stuff. And he's you know been part of that third line that's just been a tra- disaster almost at all times, right? Yep. There, you know, there was the concussion that happened at the beginning of the year, and I don't want to necessarily say, hey, let's blame everything on injuries, but he had the concussion to start the season, and then they sent him back down to Providence to kind of recuperate after, Yeah, you know, for like, like a, an injury assignment kind of thing. Yeah. And he just doesn't really look like the same player. I mean, he scored the one goal against the, the Canadiens, and that was nice, because that was a game winner. But he just doesn't look like what I expected him to look like. I had a, a lot of hopes for him this year. Yeah, so, I don't know. I mean, the, the benefits are, of course, he's not uh, in, a, in a hugely critical role, right? And there's still the argument of whether he and Spooner, to, to, when having both of them is arguably redundant, maybe. But, you know, I, I thought more. I expected more. It's much less of a problem than Krejci or, say, Bolesky. Bolesky's um, a big one. Yeah, okay, before Bolesky's injury, he didn't really do anything. Yes. Um, and that's a big problem because, again, he was on that third line. That third line has done not very much. The fourth line, we can't complain about that. The fourth line is overperformed. We'd love Almost the fourth every permutation of the fourth line's been great, actually. Yep. Jimmy Hayes I, has played his best hockey on the fourth line. I think it's done more. <laughs> it's got to be done more. Come on, somebody say it. As we all expected. Okay. Exactly. Uh, yeah, and, of, and we have to own this because all of us kind of grumbled in this space about Don Moore signings. We thought it would cost us some chari, which ultimately it seems to have done so. But, but you know what? I'm not going to complain about Don Moore. He's only he's 36. He's only going to be here this one season. Look, you know? I, I, I thought it was a courtesy signing, and it's turned out to be so much more. So I'm glad to be wrong. See, Between him we, and Tim Schaller, those were some inspired UFA signings. Can, can we just say that sometimes? Like, I'm glad to be wrong. I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled to have been wrong. Yeah, I'm, thrilled to have been, I'm thrilled to have been wrong. I, th- I honestly thought Tim Schaller was hot, signed to be an AHL vet. And he's been- I know. i, I got to tell you, I am a little bit jealous of the Tim Schaller thing. I am, because... his name is Tim? Yeah. Right the Because his name is Tim, and he's a noted doctor, and he's from New Hampshire. And Nolachari uh, is not here, and it, I'm not blaming Tim Schaller. I'm just saying that I'm a little bit jealous. I like to have my Rhode Island. I don't have my Rhode Island. I'm really upset about that, but it's not Tim Schaller's fault. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's so. Yeah. For every bit that we've had those nice 
so those nice little signs have been great more inshallah the fact of the matter is we have three guys that are supposed to be top top six or top nine caliber forwards Bolesky, Krejci, Zarnik. yes okay I see you on the, the Zarnik. Bolesky, I'm waiting for something from him this year and I'm I don't get me wrong he still has doubled up Hayes on points in only in 10 fewer games played so now to say that's not that's not really bolstering Bolesky's case that's really just an utter and profound condemnation of Jimmy Hayes which is why we're not really trying to talk about Jimmy Hayes no 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 <laughs> Jimmy Hayes is off the table we know what he is and more importantly all the things he isn't yes <laughs> let's get to the Krejci thing because I did say private chat and I've said it publicly too I'm not happy with Krejci I've said trade Krejci and and Ben said to me, no movement clause. And I'm like, God damn it, why do you have to live in reality? Okay, here's the thing about Tim's ar- Ben's argument there. He's a little overly forceful on it. You can always get a player to, mo- to, to wave. Probably. Last, last year when they were talking about trying to find a way to move sides, he openly said, if they asked me to wave it, I probably wave, wave my, my NTC, I probably would. And it broke my heart when he said that. It really did. I mean, I understood it, but it broke my heart. I mean, you know, I, I heard that though. I'm just like, you're such a good fucking guy, Dennis. And I feel so bad what's happened to your game. Because I I, I, I was a harsh critic, critic of Dennis Eidenberg the last couple of years. No question about it. But I, I, I like him a lot. I always have. He was such a key part of that cup team and for a couple of years after. I think you made me cry not here. <laughs> Sorry. But... but and I was never mad at sides for signing that contract. In fact, at the time, I defended it. Then he had the knee injury, and that was game over. Yeah, right? But yeah, so point being is, yeah, okay, Krejci has the no-movement clause. I don't, I think he could be convinced to, to waive it. The problem is, is uh, right now, I don't think we have a centerman that can actually reliably step into that second-line center role. Spooner is so bad in his own end. I know, but I just... I- even though Krejci, I don't know what his points are right now, I, and I could look it up, but... Um, he's I, I got it. Third, he's, oh. third, he's tied for third in the league with Krug at 31 points. Okay, I knew he was like third, at least on the team or something. I know that he has the points, and I can't honestly I- explain it, because I feel like when I watch a game, and unfortunately I think I am a little too reliant on the eye test, but right now we're just going to go with that. Until I feel better about this team, I, I feel like I have to do that right now. I. I kind of don't want to get too far from what I see. But I just, I, I lose track of, of Krejci. I just don't see him. He's, okay, so he is uh, uh, middle of the team-ish in possession-wise, um, which was not really what you want to see from your second from, from, from your second line center. Or you your best your offensive line. center, too. You want to see that, pers- that, that, that player higher on the food chain. And to give you some idea, some of the players that do have better possession numbers than him include Kevin Miller, Austin Zarnick, Ryan Spooner, Riley Nash, Anton Bleed. Oh, God. <laughs> no, don't I, get me wrong. He's also in ter- but on, on the flip side, he has a better possession number than, say, Chara and Carlo. Okay, the, the, the actual the favorable comparisons drop off after that, but you get my point. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Ba- basically, you just told me what my eye test told me. Exactly. And that, that sort of the thing is, generally speaking, the eye test and, and the possession don't actually disagree. It's just the two sides refuse to talk to one another on civil terms. But... <laughs> I will always be, well, for now, I will, uh, provisionally, right now, I will always be the eye test person because for me, the stats thing is just more information than I really need right now. Understood. Um, Understood. I'm just I'm just using it to sort of prove your point. Yes, you're right. If, He's I'm, not, wa- nah, if I'm watching a game I, and I don't see Krejci, I don't really know Krejci, that's a bad thing. Yes, Krejci is... Uh, 
Like, like I'm not expecting Krejci to be dominating worlds, but yeah, the fact that you're not seeing him, the fact of where he falls in this team's possession stats, and mind you, of course, everyone on this team is actually above water in possession. Um, the only person to have played any any games to speak of at all that's, that's below water was, was Rob O'Gara, and he only played three games. Um, but They were trying him out. Oh no! Exactly. There was there, we had some serious uh, in, we had some injury issues just to, to open the season on defense, right? Um, and I'm going to tell you that honestly, the least of my problems right now is defense. Even well, though yeah, anyway, Carlo is having I'm, a terrible time. Yes. Yeah, so anyway, the point I'm making is is that yeah, he's 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 he's, he's, he's a rookie. He's a rookie defense. He's going to go through through, through spells. I know this. I know. I'm totally fine. Totally yeah, so Krejci needs to be better than he is. Now, the problem is, is he has that NMC. Maybe, I, I, and, and, and I don't know who steps in. You know, maybe uh, JFK is going to become that guy. That guy. But you know what? Maybe he'll, he might break the team next year as our 3C, but he's not going to be ready to replace Krejci. Spooner, we know, can't be that. Can't be trusted as that number 2C. And um, Zarnik, per- certainly not. Certainly not Zarnik. We have no one else, and at least ne- even next year, unless unless they were to somehow trade Krejci and decide, okay, we're going to roll back as, as, the second, as, as 2C, which I think is an awful idea. No, I think Bacchus is better on the wing. Absolutely, I thought that when he was when he played C, when he was still playing in C. Fact, time. Yeah. In fact, I don't like Krejci without Bacchus on his wing. Krejci because he's a he's a small, slight guy, and he and he's a slow play. He needs a bowling ball on his side. That's why Krejci's best years were flanked by freaking Horton and by a couple of bears in Horton and Luch. <laughs> right, right. What about Vitrano? Can he play center? No, he's. I don't think so. He's a winger. He's a winger. He, he, he goes he's a winger left or right. Through. Yeah, he's a um, left or a right guy, but uh, yeah, and he can play either. Uh, but he's the other guys left. that we have hanging around. Basically, if anyone who's uh, you know Heinen, Heinen and Solarik are apparently both natural centers as well. But here's the deal: if they, if someone ever played ever played wing at a lower level than NHL, that means they are not in an NHL center. Full of goddamn stop. Yep. So Heinen and Solarik are both natural centers, but they played a lot of wing at lower levels, which means they are NHL wingers if they are NHL players. I, but I will tell you that um, Marshan's a good example in that case. Actually, Marshan was oh, a center author junior. I love Brad. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> we just need to have that moment. Getting, uh, I, I just, I like Bacchus on on Krejci's wing. I think Krejci plays better when he has a bigger guy who can just kind of. Honestly, I want to roll Bacchus Krejci Bolesky. I know it's a lot of struggling players in one shot, but it's the oh, closest but- thing to a Krejci favorable line we can put together. Let's get a. Let's go over to Anthony for a little bit. Okay. My my issue has been um, if you're going to point the if you're going to point the finger at one player, it is at David Krejci. He's your highest played highest paid center. He's supposed to be the guy that drives your offense, and I'm not seeing him create time or space for himself this year. I've watched him run into too many just run into players. You know, maybe not physical contact, but instead of trying to create ice for himself, he leads himself to either a turnover or a rush pass, and I don't know where it's coming from. I hate the expression, and I've defended it for years on Krejci, the whole, oh, he's a he's a passenger on this team. If the Bruins are playing well, well, Krejci plays well. He looks like it this year. He just you know, looks- thing about, yeah, in the past, that's been bullshit, because, of course, he was our top scorer in both finals runs. Right, right. But, you know, if you've got a player who only really performs well in the playoffs, that's a problem because you have to get to the playoffs for him to perform. And, and that's, and that's the essential problem I'm having with Krejci right now is that we have to get to the playoffs to see him take off and be a rocket. Absolutely. Now, so I want to know the question then is, 
So, Krejci, what do you do? Um, he's Part of the problem with him, and he's even vocalized this, is that he's had such blender on his wings for so long, right? Yeah. He has not had consistent wingers in a couple of years now. Right. Um, and, they, and, and I believe that is part of the problem. But here's the thing about that, and that's what really separates him from a truly elite center as opposed to a really good one. It's a truly elite center. Look at, well... Okay, Sidney Crosby's a bad example because, of course, he's that good. But look at some of the garbage he has played with for how many years he played with Chris Kunitz and Pascal Dupuis. Yeah, but but wait a minute. You don't even have to go outside of your own team to see that. No, you don't. Look how because, good Riley Nash was with Bergeron. Well, well I, I was just going to say that... Uh, the right wing on the Bergeron line in general, yes. Yeah, the right wing on the Bergeron line has been ephemeral. Yes. Ephemeral. <laughs> yes. Transitory. It just, it changes a lot. But because he's got such a solid left wing on him. Well, that's you what it is. It's a, it ultimately, you can't build a solid line. It's why a lot of you look at pair. You look at a pairs, a centerman and one winger, and you try to fill in the best fit for the other wing. Right. So it's like right now we have Pasternak doing that, and it works out well at times. Right now, Pasternak hasn't been quite the same way as he's been since the elbow injury, and we're hoping that he'll move past that. It's the typical injury thing. But the thing is, is that uh, Brad and and, and uh, Bergeron have been together ever since I've been watching, and... They've played together since about halfway through, tw- through the 2010-2011 through season. Right, so it's yep. like, so it's one of those things where it, it bolsters the argument that, uh, you know, you only really need to have one good one, like one consistent pairing, to be able to make that line a lot better. Well, and well you, see, and you see a lot of long-term successful teams doing that, right? I mean, you have the Sedin San insert right wing here, for example. Right, yep, right. Um, the exact so, same situation, except, you know, Sadine's one of them is actually a hologram of the other one. But Okay, so so Anthony brought up the Krejci piece. Tim, what are you, I'm curious what you're thinking. Well, I mean, obviously Krejci is, uh, he's had a bad year. My thought with him, though, is this. He, he came into the beginning of the year injured. Um, he, he had, uh, I believe he had off-season surgery, and they weren't sure that he was even going to start the year. And he came back early. And he came back early. See him until into November. Exactly. So that's, that's, that's not, that's not good. I mean, I mean, it is, but at the same time, I don't think he's 100% healthy. And at this point in his career, he's, he's, um, I think he's 30 now. And last year he played a lot of the year with an injury. Um, he was injured a little bit the year before. I'm not sure that we're ever going to see David Krejci at 100% ever again. And I think that's part of the problem is that we're seeing like David Krejci, who's maybe at 80%, but that's the best he's going to be able to give us for the duration. And he's going to continue to be our highest paid player um, for the remainder of that contract. Realistically speaking, yeah, and and I mean, even a hundred percent Krejci, the rest of the contract is pushing the worth there. But at an eighty percent Krejci, oh my gosh, it's it, the value is not there. And trying to get someone to trade for that, you may be able to get a team who wants to win right now, who's in the playoff hunt, and they want to see if he can catch lightning in a bottle in the playoffs again and lead them to a cup. Maybe a team like that will try to trade for him. You may not get much for him, but it's worth at least looking into at this point, I think, just because I don't think we're going to have 100% healthy criteria the rest of his contract here. Yeah. All right, I'm actually, so I want to use that as a moment for a minor aside on the matter of Krejci as well. Okay, um, I just want to point out that he is soon to be on the wrong side of 30 uh, as of April 28th. So okay. he, he will be 31 then. So good point. So, you know, you'll hear 
fans of every team are hoping that you know they'll expose such and such bet long 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 signed bad contract player. You know the Kings talk about exposing Brown and hoping that, Dustin Brown hope he gets t- taken by Las Vegas in the expansion draft. I've been thinking about that. It's like you know what? Here's the thing: is no teams are going to ditch a bad contract. You know why? Because no. why on earth would George McPhee? take on one of those long bad contracts if you're george mcfee building this expansion team through, through the expansion draft you're picking 30 players you can only have 23 on your roster so for starters right off the bat seven players need to be guys that are you know quadruple a players that's to say the guys that are you know the seth griffith the seth griffiths of the world okay guys that are ahlers now and that are and you need to put on your AHL team that call that are call upable. So you know guys that big guys that have been playing pro in the minors for in the AHL for over two years. Now you want to fill out the rest of your team. You know your team's going to be bad that first year and probably the second year. So unless there's a really good player exposed because the team has painted themselves into a corner, why on earth would you take someone with more than one or two years on, on, on of term? Because you take one year, you know you're going to be bad that first year. Think about the opportunities to flip stuff for um, um to, to, to flip parts for um uh, extra draft picks that first year. And you take other players with two years on to do the same things. You still won't be good. So anyway, no no one here suggested this, but I just thought that I'd put this out there that even if you got him to waive his NMC for the purpose of the expansion draft, yep, I can't really fathom why McPhee would take him with four years of term. Apart from getting up to the, uh, apart from trying to get to the cap floor, and in that regard, he's got a lot more appeal than certain other players that teams are hoping to get rid of because his term is only four more years after this one. True, yeah. it still has a little bit of name cash too. I mean, maybe I know in the first year in Vegas. I mean, obviously Vegas is probably going to be excited. It won't be hard to sell out things like that. But jersey sales, things like that. I mean, to try to bank on Krejci's, uh name recognition while they can they might try to do it and say it's worth it in there even if he's only giving him you know 50 points in the, a year a uh, guy who could be your first captain maybe i don't know i, I don't know there's, there's, there's some case there um now i will say for an expansion team he's not ideal because uh his um he still has uh shit two more years with his cap hit above his uh above above his 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 salary above his cap hit and, only, and then and there were two years after it's only two hundred fifty thousand dollars below and does Krejci really have that cachet, that name cachet? I think he has um, a little bit. So going into this season, um, I brought this up in the space before, but writing for Sportsnet, um, uh, Andrew Berkshire, I know, <laughs> did have that rank, rating the top set, the top 20 centers, and he and he at the time had ranked him top 20, which to me, don't get me wrong, I thought that was awful generous. I mean, he had done it based on statistical analysis, which kind of caught me off guard because, you know, Krejci's fine, but nothing's but never been spectacular on the fancy stats front. So the point is, Krejci, okay, Krejci's not a big splash, but you're not going to have big splash marketable players available in the expansion drafts, right? Yeah, I would almost think that it would be more valuable to have, well, obviously, if for some reason you left Bergeron exposed, which no one ever would, that's an insane thought, right? But it, if I were looking at this team, I'd go, oh, I want that Bergeron guy. You know what I mean? Because oh, that's a guy that you could build a team around. Obviously, we all we all know that, and that would never happen in a million years. But I would I would even look at people who were around Bergeron, like on his same line, who did really well. So it's like I would look at Brad Marchand and think he was more valuable than David Krejci was on an expansion team. Oh, of course, but of course, we can also obviously know Brad's not getting exposed either. Right. Yeah, of the people right. getting other guys, other guys that have to be that are, of the, the five guys we have we have that have to be protected. Krejci's the only one I realistically expect them to potentially ask to waive. Right. 
Right. And Jack you, know you can make a case for, but Sweeney's not gonna it's not gonna ask one of his guys to wave. Right, no, so, no, I, I agree with you totally. I mean look, I know that there, we spent an episode extolling the praises of uh of David Krejci. Um, and I, I, I love David Krejci. I do. But I, this is just a frank acknowledgement of what things are now. Yeah. I think Krejci was he, my favorite player for a long time. I think he is far too sensitive to what's going on around him to actually, like, pair up with someone really well. You know what I mean? It was just like he functioned really well with Horton and Lucic. Because the two of them were balls of, of, of pure emotion, whereas Krejci could be aloof between these two balls of pure emotion. <laughs> Right, and they were big guys, and they could do certain things, and he didn't have to do those things. I'm not saying that you're going to catch lightning in a bottle and it's going to happen again. I don't see it happening. It's been a couple of years since Lucic, you know, um, and obviously Horton, you know, God bless him, he's not playing anymore. Um, and it's hard to find a player like that. It really is hard to find a player um, like either of those two who could work out really well in this situation. Teams spent, other teams spent years drafting players that they thought would be Luch. And what did they end up with? Yeah. The captain got, got drafted Tom fucking Wilson in the first round thinking he'd be Luch. You mean the guy that who got... Cassie the- and people bounced around all the time because they thought he'd be Luch. <laughs> <laughs> Colin, you mean that, that, was that the Wilson that Colin Miller took down? No. Oh, damn it. No, Tom Wilson. Wilson's on the caps. He's the one that... What was that? That really savage hit on someone? I think on the Devils he threw. That oh, he I, oh, that guy, that asshole. Okay, I fucking yeah. hate all One the thing, guys like Tom Wilson and Zach Cassian were drafted because teams thought they could be the next Luch. And I fucking hate Cat Zach Cassian. Oh, they're both pieces of shit. Yes, <laughs> nobody wants that. I don't want that on my team. So anyway, my 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 longer larger points. I think we're stuck with the Krejci contract. We are. Oh, I think we are for the most part too. When. Is- on top of that, the um, expi- expire expiration of the um, uh, of the, uh, the, the the CBA. You know, if they, you know, if there were um, uh, you know, amnesty buyouts, he's only got one season left at that point. We are stuck with Krejci for the next three seasons. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, so that's when he's able to be bought out. Okay. So what do we what? do? I was going to actually ask when he could be bought out. I mean, he so. could be bought out at any time, but we'd be paying him forever a lot of money. Okay. Right? Um, I mean, I could I could go ahead and on on, on cap friendly here right now and do it, and it's not going to be a pretty scene. Okay, buyout current contract. If we bought it out now, at the end of this season, so, we are looking at cap hits between 2.166667 and 2.666667 for the next ever, until 24-25. So that's about two. Yeah. So that's a 2.1 to $2.6 million dead hit if they were bought out at the end of this season. So what can we do to make him play better? He needs... He needs Consistent wingers. He needs, yeah. Which I mean, not necessarily wingers that are pl- play consistently, not necessarily, because Luke never fucking did. Um, but the same wingers repeatedly. He's, his wingers have been a rotating cast. I would, um, first off, I think I would, I hate to say this because I like Pasternak on the Bergeron line. Oh, shit, no, because he's back because he needs the size on the right side. Fuck. You could back yeah, his, he... go to the left side, or is he just a right uh, side? Uh, takes a certain kind of player to play on their off wing, you know. Louis was able to do that, but not all can. So, okay, so back So, basically, has... so Vitrano is kind of like the Pasternak light. I would say make a serious run at Vitrano, Krejci, Bacchus. I like the idea of, put, of rolling Bileski there, but I think he needs a, but he needs a better shooter. Because Bl- Bleski's a garbage man, and so is kind of Bagus. 
So Vetrano's been back for roughly a month. Or yeah, like eighteen more. games, I think. So we just He's need been to give it a little more games. time. He's been eighteen games. Okay, so we we need to give him a little more time with the Bacchus on the other side with the Bacchus. I think yeah, that's, I think the, that's the line we should be trying there right now. So so basically, we what this comes down to is to make this work for Krejci, we need to be more patient. With this lineup of Vetrano, Krejci, and Bacchus. I like Bacchus with Krejci. I do. I want to see and state that. And I, I'm not saying I don't like Vetrano there. I just, I'm trying to figure out how to make this all work because no. I don't want to keep hating Krejci and say things like I've said in the past where I think he's a ghost. I hate saying that shit. It makes me feel like a bad fan. I honestly like Vetrano there with Krejci just because Vetrano shoots a ton. And I think that's something that. Would, that helps Krejci out a lot with his playmaking ability. Give it to someone who he knows is going to shoot. I, I like to about, think of Petrano as being the optimistic part of that line. How about... Now, Now, of course, he has no NHL games played, so this is always a dangerous thing to suggest. What about, <laughs> Peter, what about Peter Solaric? I'll be honest with you, I don't know very much about him. He's a big guy. Big guy. NHL body. He made. He didn't score a lot in the, in, in the Swedish League, and he's been doing pretty fucking well for uh, in, in Providence this year. How old is he? I don't want to say because I, I said as um, um as Ludicky calls it shiny new toy syndrome. But um he's a left he's a center or left wing. Um not the speediest skater, but a you know but a big guy. Um this this sounds sort of like a prototypical Krejci wing. That's great, but how do you? Get that to happen. Very because nice. I'm, 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 I don't want. That, that's a good point. Cause I don't really want to push Bolesky or or Schaller off the out, out of the off the roster, and that therefore poses a problem. Yes, because I you agree. have to take Petrano and put him down. If you took Petrano and put him down into the third line, and maybe push Bolesky down onto the line with Dom Moore, I know that his contract is. It's not awful. It's only three point eight million. That's not a complete catastrophe. I don't. I don't want to think about contracts by lines right now. I just want to think yeah, about course, where pieces fit. Just, just whatever works best. And um, I don't like the idea of potentially pushing Schaller off the lineup, out of the lineup either. Push him. Can he play on the offside? Uh, you know, I think you could always try it. So if you're looking at that, time off. So maybe you're looking at a uh, at a roster of like, obviously you know Bergeron, Marchand, Pasternak line. So a Krejci with Solarik and, and Bacchus. And again, this is of course. You don't give. Of course, the problem here again is shiny toy. We don't know what he'll do at the NHL level, but he's going to get a call up soon, almost certainly, because of how he's performing. So then, next line: Spooner at center with Nash and Bl- and Vitrano, and then fourth line: Moore flanked by Bolesky and Schaller. Yep. Jimmy Hayes scratched. I'd rather try something like that, and however they have to maneuver it, because I I, I don't it's really understand. Too. It's the fourth line. We used to roll. You know, the Merlot line was all left shots, so it can work because it's the fourth line. They don't see that many. Minutes. On your fourth line, you're really worried. Uh, you're trying to buy some time for other people to kind of recuperate. Exactly, it matters less than that line. Having a um, line of all left shots anywhere else would be a bad thing. But but we're spoiled by the fact that our fourth line can actually do shit. You know, and here's the thing: putting Bolesky down, we know Bolesky's a solid possession player. Yeah, you, know, you put him down there, you can't expect him to score because, as I've talked to him before, Bolesky is exactly the line you put. It performs as the line you put him on. I think it's worth a shot. I won't know how much rope I'd give it, because, again, there's the issue we don't know if Slark will actually be any good at the NHL level. You can try it. The problem is is that if he gets a shot, he has, to, he has to really make it work. Yes, and quickly, because we don't have the kind of breathing room to let it play out. 
And the exact the brusque, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think they're working on him slowly I think, and building I think the, him up. The brusque's a longer project, right? You know, I would I would keep the brusque in Providence because you would, you want him to be a, a delivering left wing long term. Solaric, he's a third line. He's a th- he's a third round pick from a few enough years ago that if say calling him up too early ruins him, it's not a complete loss. If that makes any sense whatsoever. So you're looking at, like, DeBrusque as being kind of, like, maybe a Marchand kind of thing? Well, no, that's what Gabriel is, but you never know. I would say, I would, I, right now, based on their performance this year in the AHL, Solarik's the guy I give a crack. Solarik is, like, in his fourth year, fourth or fifth year of playing pro, pro hockey, because he's been playing pro since before he was drafted. Yeah, I don't really know very much about him. Yeah, he was, he was full-time in the Swedish, in the Swedish Elite League his draft year, so from 17. Oh, wow, so he's kind of old for a prospect, in a way. Well, he was a 2013 draft pick, so yeah, oh. he's, he's drafted the same draft as um as linus and uh bleed yeah he's 22 yeah or he will be 22 this year so anyway i took i took a crack at that because Solark just feels to me like a like a crazy winger he's big he's not an amazing skater um i guess he's excel he's got a good acceleration but a low top speed sort of thing um that also sounds a lot like a pretty classic uh crazy um, winger to be honest big body yeah he's 6'2 scoring a lot of goals so i, I i'd give it a shot all right how does that happen, though? Because I, I, the mystery of call-ups, well, it, I've just basically said it right there. It's a, it's a mystery to me. It's like, uh, I know that there are injury call-ups and emergency call-ups for injury and stuff, but how would you get him up here? I mean, could it have been one of those things where they said to him, hey, look, we're going to find a way to get you up here? Because I know they make those kind of deals with people, right? I mean, you call him up. He's his first, is his first year of his ELC, so he has no issues with waivers or anything. Oh, okay. So you can <laughs> say, come on up? Yeah, so he's a fourth, he's a fourth year pro, but he's only a first year in North America. So you can say, come on down, or come on up, you're on the, um, Bruins are right, or something. The Bruins are smart. Get yourself on the fucking bus and get your ass to, get your ass to Boston. I'm assuming he doesn't, hasn't bought a car yet, but it could be wrong. <laughs> he could take the train, the commuter rail, goes from Providence, and it's just a short walk up to the State House, basically. Oh, perfect. Let's, yeah, get I, Peter Slar- let's get Peter Slark on that fucking train, then. Takes about the same amount of time. Yeah, he's got 18 and 15 this year, so, I mean... He's our top scorer. He just recently passed, um, uh, what was it, Heinen, I think, was leading before, so... Oh, Heinen... I mean, just wasn't like, ready yet. That's cool. Whatever. You know, people were all excited, but you know, he, he, he played two, he was two years out of his draft year. No big deal. So I wasn't all excited about him, but I did realize that he looked like an ex-boyfriend of mine. So that was kind of weird. To that. We, we've been down this, this path before. <laughs> oh, that was Jeff's putting the shutdown on me. And he was just like, Bam! no, we're not saying that anymore. You're not in charge of the show. Damn it. Yeah, so I, anyway, I don't know. So, had, okay. Hyman had his chance up here. Didn't he come up a couple times? He was like here to start. And he's he had to spot things, and he hasn't done anything in, in managed to do anything in Boston yet. So he's no, he needs time. He's it's his first year again, first year pro. He's been doing well in Providence. He's not a big guy, and uh, Ludicky always tells him he's not a flashy guy. You're never going to notice him until you see the box score once he actually gets going. That's was the case in 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 college, and it was the case for him in the BCHL. So, well, that's his, his mistake because he was paired up with with Krejci, wasn't he? He wasn't ready. He <laughs> yeah, Krejci wasn't either. <laughs> well, exactly. You know, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm willing to be patient on Sainz. What twenty? Um, yeah. So give it time. I'm not willing to be patient about it anymore. <laughs> We're gonna have a problem. <laughs> <laughs> I, honestly, even I, Tom Brady didn't start out of the gate. So you know, I've been really shots fired. <laughs> I, no, 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 no. That's fine. Like he was the fourth string quarterback that first year. I get it. 
He, there were games where he, they just basically said, go sit in the stands. That was, that was his, uh, that was how he was learning how to play the game. Look, I've been very good. I've not talked at all about football. Like, I've been, like, since last Sunday night, I've not talked about it. But you opened, you opened it, Tim. Was there anything more that we really needed to say about this, Jeff? I mean, we, we have to be patient. We have to figure out who's going to work with Krejci. Um, Listen, our choices, I think, are be patient or try smart. I think there's a good case in either one. But at the end of the day, he needs steady line mates because he's been dealing with such a fucking blender that it's going to be hard for him to find consistency because he's not that kind of guy that will carry whatever, whatever wingers. Why don't we go on to bare necessities? I mean, we could talk about this forever, and we'll probably talk about it again. But we can talk about bare necessities now. So this week for the few Bruins scams, I don't have any booze in the house. Really worth drinking. Oh. I've got some cheap gin, and i got some tonic, so I might do that. You've got I'm the not, dragon's breath. No, we don't. It's gone. <laughs> oh, it's gone? It. It's gone. Our friend Dylan loved it. Oh, my And he God. paired it with orange juice. Oh. So it was terrific. Oh. I can see us working well in it as, as, as the alcohol in a Caesar, because you want a Caesar to be spicy anyway, but orange juice. Yeah. Orange he loved juice. It. <laughs> it, yeah. Uh, yeah. Congratulations on getting rid of the dragon's breath. Yeah. Good for you. Where did that come from in the first place? Mandy at our party two years ago. Okay, so good for you. Good we for only you. have one bottle left from that party now. Really? It is coconut You'll have rum. a bottle from that. <laughs> coconut rum. I honestly... There's I, not a lot left. I, and I will not drink that because... <laughs> no, no. Too much of my teenage years. I never drank when oh. I was a teenager. Wait, no, not oh, until you were 21. Citizen, right, PA? Oh, yeah. Me, totally. I never did drugs or alcohol ever. Until um, nope. I was twenty one. Right, exactly. <laughs> I still have so many bottles of wine that Mandy brought to me. She thought that I really was into wine. I need to have a party with wine. That's all. I love wine. Well, then come down to my house and drink a lot of wine. Well, we're going to go have piles of chicken. We have the, the chicken pile. Chicken and wine fest. Yeah, sounds good to me. Sounds good. All right. Anthony just went. Who wants to go next? Uh, okay. I think Jeff wants to go next. Well, I uh, bought the ingredients this weekend for making old fashions, and uh, the one I had while recording the show, I think I finally dialed in the ratio of um, uh, whiskey to sugar to bitters, so uh, game on. These old fashions are wonderful. I'm glad that we could help you with that. I'm totally taking credit for this. I don't take credit for anything. I'm taking credit for this. Okay. Woo! (laughs) What kind of whiskey is it? Um, What I got is a... um, um, Shit, brand is it... So Canadian, it's a Canadian rye whiskey, not a bourbon. Um, Gibson's. Like I mentioned, I pre- mentioned drinking it straight in the previous um, uh, one. It's decent, inexpensive. So, yeah. And we just got the tour of the apartment like we're supposed to every time. Jeff hasn't gotten mad at me at this uh, in this episode yet that I could tell. Unless he was mad when I was gone for a few minutes. So this is no, pretty good. No, we're good. I've only gotten mad at Tim for, you know, uh, liking Journey. Okay. Tim, what do you got going on? Um, honestly, not a ton. I do have um some of my awesome, amazing alcohol water that I like to get from time to time. Truly, <laughs> your your Spike. seltzer water that's naughty. Yes, my naughty seltzer water, and it's pretty good. And I also did get something new that just came out with uh, Shipyard. It's their chocolate milk stout they came out with. It's actually pretty good. The label is extremely like. 
bland. It's pretty much a white label that says chocolate milk stout on it. Like, that's it. But, um, yeah, it's actually pretty good. Excellent. That kind of leads into what I have this week. But yours is Shipyard, which is Maine. And plain white uh, label, huh? That's interesting. Yeah. I am going with Rhode Island this week. I bought two this week, both Narragansett, which is, uh, if Nick were here, he would say it's our unofficial sponsor, Narragansett, or Gansett, which I'm glad they revived the brand because the, the old stuff was terrible, but the new stuff is actually good, and they do a lot of experimentation. So this episode, I started out with a with the coffee milk stout, the autocrat, autocrat coffee milk stout, and then I finished with, and if you listened closely, you heard that Jeff made some kind of comment about my reaction to the second one. The second one was a very special brew. It was the Narragansett White Ship IPA, or White IPA. It's the Lovecraft one, because they do the Lovecraft brews every year. I somehow or another stumbled upon a six-pack. I tried it. It got better as it went along, and I'm not an IPA guy or gal. I didn't realize it was a white IPA. That might be part of the problem. White IPAs are a funny beast. It's a white IPA. <laughs> They're funny beasts. <laughs> it's a Lovecraft beer and it's a funny beast. <laughs> There's nothing funny about Lovecraft monsters. They're actually horrifying. But anyway. <laughs> I think it's the monster that we need in this time right now. Cthulhu. I would, I would I really be okay with Cthulhu manifesting itself in Washington, D.C. right now and just just, 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 just hard reset. Yes. Yes. Um, <laughs> I am all for Cthulhu, not what we have right now. Yeah, yeah. So Cthulhu is the... Uh, the the leader we deserve and need right now. Um, Ooh, time to rise from the Potomac, my friend. <laughs> that'll fucking drain the swamp. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. So I got the Lovecraft uh, White IPA this time. I am waiting. I think next week the uh, Lovecraft Black Lager is coming out, and I'm very oh, excited man. about that one. Black Lager, okay. Yeah. So this one, I. I'm not a big fan of IPAs in the first place. It wasn't terrible. I got my way through it, which is more than I can say for most IPAs. And my husband likes both IPAs and Lovecraft. So, oh, actually, a third thing, he likes Narragansett. So all of these things work out really well for him. So, yes, so that's what I've got. I don't think we got anything on Twitter this week. Everything got released very late. So we didn't have a lot of Twitter stuff going on. But that's okay. If you're our listeners, we love you. We'll just say that. All of you. Oh my god, Jeff clutched his chest. It was very touching and endearing. Uh, so you can listen to us on... Oh, Google Play! Right, you can listen to us on Google Play, as Tim just said. On SoundCloud, which is our primary home. On iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, as was noticed, uh, as said before. You can find, you can talk to us uh, at Barely on Topic on Twitter. Uh, the Facebook page is also Barely on Topic. Uh, is there any other way to talk to us? I mean, if you tweet us individually, if you figure out who we are, that's, that's cool, too. We'll respond. Everybody's but, uh, pretty much figured out who we are. Except for me. I'm an enigma. <laughs> Wrapped in a mystery. Yes. Yeah, so that's pretty much what's going on. Any, any last words? I think Tim has one. Word! <laughs>